peoples of the worldwide federated internet. What's good? Today I'm going to have a really <clears throat> candid conversation with a special guest. You'll see who the guest is when I get into this video. There's some language in this uh, podcast. Uh, fair warning. This is a real conversation. I didn't want it to be scripted. The guest I had spoke his piece. I let him tell his stories. I think the things that he has to say is very beneficial to young people in hoods across the country. I think it really doesn't matter really where you're at. He has some interesting stories and things that people can learn from before entering into a criminal life. So check this out and I hope you enjoy you're what's going on people so i got a special guest today today i'm gonna hit y'all with a with the with the og in my family at least and an og in the hood this the stories we gonna tell is not stories to glorify gangster life is not stories to tell you that this is something that you should seek after but it's definitely gonna be enlightening this is all of this is gonna be real personal for me and you're gonna see why here in a minute as i introduce my guest as he goes by online randolph duke my older brother what up bro what's good what up, what up? what's good what's good bro what's good everybody out there in, in the social media world what's going down special treat tonight real deal talk yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always tell brother, I always tell stories about, you know, growing up in Brooklyn. I always, you know, tell stories about the different things you did for me in the hood. You know what I mean? I was never, and I always tell people, I let people know I'm from the hood. I'm not a hood dude. I wasn't built for that. That was definitely not my life. I was not about that life. And luckily, so this this is a story I'll start with. I always tell people this story, you know, in the hood, it's like a rite of passage, right? You got, you got all the, all the dealers, the D boys on the corner at the time. And they would always recruit all of the, I say all, but a lot of the kids in the neighborhood would always get recruited. And that's how this started, but they never approached me. And I never really understood. And I didn't really pay too much attention to it until years down the road. My older brother let me know. Oh, yeah, I let him know. If I find my brother on this corner, it's going to be heat for everybody. Everybody catching that work. So to right. talk about that, talk about that a little bit. What 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 is it that you saw in the life that you were living that made you say, okay, yeah, I don't want this for my younger brother. This, this is not the route that he going to be he going to be picking. Well, um, first of all, that that life it was it was natural it was natural 
for me, you know, at least for me growing up in Brooklyn, it, I thought it was normal to to uh, want to live that the street life, the gangster life, you know, selling drugs and all. I thought it was normal because everybody around me did it. Everybody outside did it, like you said. But as far as my my, my siblings, like yourself and, and my other brothers and sisters, I was the oldest boy and I was very protective over my younger brothers, my sisters or whoever, my family in general, but my younger brothers, I was definitely overprotective over them. And I uh, definitely wouldn't want them to, to, to be in a lifestyle that I was in because I knew that, you know, it was, it was real and it was serious. And my whole objective was for us to get out the hood and live better. You know what I'm saying? To have nice things and to be able to live a life that we always wanted to live. Right. You know, that everybody, everybody in the hood, you know, you want to live good. You want some money, you want some nice clothes, sneakers. You know, you want a car, you want a nice place. So um, with me, I just made sure that, you know, everybody knew that my younger brothers was off limit to anything. It didn't even matter. They didn't have to do nothing. They had a gangster brother that was doing it. So they, yeah. got, they didn't have to do it. And yeah. I didn't encourage it. And I didn't encourage it. Nah, not not at all. Not at all. I, I will say, um, and that, that, like I said, I always, anybody I talk to, I always tell them that story. I'm like, yo, if it wasn't for my older brother, it's, it's good. And trust me when I tell y'all, my mom did the best job she could possibly do. You know what I'm saying? Being just her raising five kids. She did, a, she did like I said, the best job you could do being in a hood, raising five kids by herself. But even with the job that she was doing, I think it would have been highly, how can I put this? I think it was highly improbable and implausible for me not to wind up in the streets left to my own devices. Even though, because there's a lot of kids that I grew up with that were not about that life, but they just got sucked in because they had nobody to kind of keep them away from that. And you was literally the buffer. Like, nah, this ain't happening. I'm in these streets, but nah, my brothers and sisters not going to be in these streets like that. So what I would say, what led you? Cause I remember, I'll tell you the story. The first time I knew you was in the streets doing dirt as I'll never forget the police. This when we was living on Newport, the police came to the house cause you and your man, Percy was getting into some dirt. Shout out, shout out, salute my, my homeboy, Percy West from Brownsville, free Percy West, upstate doing a hundred and something years, been in 30 years. Uh, so free Percy West, anybody out there, just New York State Department of Corrections, type in Percy West, P-E-R-C-Y, West. Yeah, so yeah, Percy, yeah, that's that, I miss Percy, man. And we, as a, as a, as a young, uh, I don't know, I guess that's a teen when we like 12 and 13. Yeah, I think he was, he was like, what, 13 at the time? Yeah, like 12, 13, between 11 and 13, but anywhere around there. Growing up in Brownsville, we living right next door to the Green Gate, which is the crack spot, one of the first crack spots in Brownsville. We lived on Newport. It was on Newport, Newport between Bristol and Chester in the Ville. And um, yeah, man, uh, Percy was, that That was my partner, man, and I loved him, and we used to hang out in um with guys from the plaza because we went to junior high school 275 in Brownsville. So we went to school with all the guys from Tilden, all the guys from Brownsville Projects, Van Dykes, the plaza, the co-ops, you know, and, and all the surrounding blocks, Newport Gardens. So we went to, so we used to hang out a lot, you know what I'm saying? As kids going into projects, running around, 
And then we had another homeboy named um, Cash. Uh, salute my boy Cash. And, you know, his pops was having it his way when we was younger. So Cash always had money. So we was getting, he, he was, we, we was going with him, buying scooters, gold teeth, riding scooters at 12 years old, uh, uh, Honda Elites 150. Honda Elites 1984. where we was the first young dudes. And shout out to my homie Kojak and them from, 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 um, Kojak and them from, uh, where Kojak from? East 98, somewhere up there, Winthrop or somewhere. But yeah, son, we, so we was getting in some trouble and yeah, the police, you know, they came around, you know, that was the early part of, that, that was the start of the, the beginning of, you know, my mass incarceration over the last 25 years. Right, right. So, so let people know, cause I think a lot of people, when they, when they hear me, when they hear me speak, right. They think, yeah, this dude can't be from the hood. I've, I've had a lot of people say that like, yo, you, you talk too proper, you, you, this, you, that. And I always, I try to explain to people like, yo, I've changed a lot. God has done a lot of work in me over the years. But on top of that, I was just always, you know, I was about that geek life. It was my comic yeah. books. Yes, hip hop yes, 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 drawing yes, it like yes. that's that's well, that's all I was I, doing. I turned I turned I, I obviously I turned both my my younger brothers on to the hip hop scene to the music. Obviously Word. I was painted in the house, was rapping and you know in and out and staying fresh and hustling in the streets, always had nice clothes and nice gear, made sure the closet stayed fresh and my brothers wanted to go in the closet, rock whatever they wanted to rock, even if it was baggy. Dudes was Yo, fresh. That was that was baggy jean era, so, so it worked so, anyway. Yeah. So so uh <laughs> So with you, you know, you 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 came into your own early. You was the, you was the third kid, and um, you was like a, a introvert. You wasn't really like you like you was cool by yourself. And then the older you got, then you got into the comic books and drawing, and you know, and and, and, and getting fresh and just hip hop music, and you know, so right. you got into that. But you was always like on that geek type shit, bars, and you know, but. You still from Brooklyn. You still from Brownsville. You still from East New York. You still from wherever we lived at in Brooklyn. Right. You still a Brooklyn night. You know what I'm saying? You just right. polished. You you went on and you polished yourself up. You polished your English. You polished your vernacular. You polished the dialect. And that's all it is. It's about being versatile. And you excelled. And you took your you took your roots from Brooklyn and just made it international. Like you know, made it worldwide so that you know you can speak and conversate with the best you can come down to brooklyn and conversate or you could go to the white house and conversate yeah I, was, I, you know i, I gotta give god the glory for all that definitely Absolutely. for sure you know what's what's funny is every time me and you get on the phone or me and jamel get on the phone me and mommy renee whatever my kids always tell me dad you get off the phone with your family and it's like you just went back to brooklyn and we don't understand what you're saying for like a good yeah. 20 minutes <laughs> yeah yeah because yes, you from we from that that, we that from, brooklyn we from, come back over me no question we, yeah. we from that you can take the boy out of brooklyn but you can't take the brooklyn out of the boy you yeah that's a saying? fact that's a fact and um I, I, my travels i've been all around i've been all around and i haven't lived in brooklyn for a long time but you can't tell me that I'm not I'm not from Brooklyn. You can't tell me that I don't I don't talk Brooklyn. I don't walk Brooklyn. It's just in my, yeah. it's a way of life. It's a way of life for me from where we came up from the culture that I came up in, you know, in Brooklyn, right. man. And, uh, yeah, man. I mean, it was an interesting life, man. A, a lot of a lot of good stories that we could get into about all type of all type of stuff, man. But as far as far as you you go as far as you concerned man i'm proud of you i'm proud of the man you became the father you became and god I'm be happy the glory. that 
I'm, I'm happy that I was able to have some type of influence, you know, as far as like, yeah, okay, I'm not going that route. I see my brother going that route. And the, the, the decision was yours ultimately. It wasn't mine. I just gave you the choice. I showed you what it was and then gave you the choice to say, okay, you can follow me down this way or you could go that way. Yeah, and you no looked doubt. at that way like, nah, I ain't going that way because shoot, we my brother be gone for, for years. I'm not going that way. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, what, so that was cool. What would be what would be your your message? Because you know it's a it's a lot of young knuckleheads out here in the street. As you as you know, I know you keep up with hip hop culture still. I do still. Young Dolph just got killed. Man, rest and, in peace, rest in peace, rest yeah, in peace, young Dolph, man. Rest, rest, and, rest and, in peace, young Dolph. Yeah, Memphis. Condolences you, to his family, to the family. For real. What would you say to kids who are looking at the gangster culture, looking at the gangster life and thinking to themselves, because, you know, so let me let me lead with this. You know, you got a lot of people like and and this is not I'm not doing this to troll. I'm not bringing up names to to try to slander anybody. But you have a lot of these young kids like a kid like Takashi six nine that they think this is a game. The problem is they influence a lot of younger kids beneath them to do things that lead them into a life. Really, you strip their life away from them. So what would be your message to any kid looking at these rappers and these gangster rappers and looking at all this social media thuggery, looking into looking to put in work in the streets? What would you tell them before they embarked on that life? I would I would say they look at they look at uh rest in peace young Dolph man but I would say look at look at guys like Dolph King Vaughn um and a bunch of other guys that died you know living that gangster lifestyle talking about the gangster lifestyle and look if you from it then you from it if you born in it and you from it from day one then that's a different story. But if you were a kid and you're not really from that and you looking at it and you're excited about a lifestyle and you think that is 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 glory and you think that it's cool to be tough and a gangster and all that and to have a gun, it, it's really not. And you're not prepared for it. And that's why these kids like Takashi, uh, when they get jammed up with the with with the boys, they be ratting and talking and singing because they not, they don't, they're not ready for the consequences of those acts. It look glory and it look good and it it sound good, but it's real life consequences in the streets. So I would I would tell them if you young, stay in school, man. Get you a hustle, a legal hustle. You know it's cool to be smart. There's no it's no pension in the streets. There's no pension in the streets. There's no insurance. There's Max. no nothing. If you spend 20 years in the street, that's 20 years you wasted because you ain't gonna have no 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 money saved up, no pensions, no insurance, no none of that. The streets don't give you none of that. And in fact, right. the streets don't right. love you for real, for real. The streets is real. The streets is real. The stuff that go on in the streets is real. But there's, there's the, the, in the realness, there's a lot of cut though. There's a lot of ratting, snitching, telling, back backstabbing, killing, murdering. So all of that come with the game. So if you don't want to be associated and involved with killing, getting robbed, going to prison, um, shooting somebody, if you don't want to be, you don't want to be involved with that. Don't be like the don't don't follow these guys down the tough gangster road. Be yourself. Who you are is cool. Now if that's your lifestyle, and you've been living it. For instance, like me, I started early. 
14 years old. My mother lost control over me in Brooklyn. We didn't have no fathers in the house. She was running the streets. I got one older sister and the rest of my siblings is younger than me. So at 14 years old, I had to make a choice. You know, I, we was bums, pretty much. We was bums growing up in Brooklyn because we really, my mom was on welfare. My mom was on welfare, no job, no nothing. We didn't really have much. We had love. We had um, a good roof over our head, cleanliness, and this, but we didn't have all the things that our friends had and, you know, that they had two parents. So right. I went out and I started my life of crime in order for the, in order to pursue the pursuit of happiness. Mm, I, I, I like the way you put that. You know what I'm saying? Pursue so, the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> I like yeah, that. So, yeah. So, you know, in order for me to, to put some sneakers on my feet, some sneakers on my brothers and my sister's feet, maybe pay a bill, you know, it wasn't really a choice for me really. Cause when we came out, we lived, when I really started my, my criminal life, my crime and criminal life, we moved from Brownsville to Bedford Stuyvesant in like 1986. We moved to Nostrum between Quincy and Marcy. You know what I mean? Shout yeah. out to the stop and they rock. And right um, around the corner from Marcy projects. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So, you know, we've been all down through all those blocks. So, that's when my my crime life started. I came outside, and the dudes that was on the corner, we lived on Jefferson and Nostrum. We had moved from Quincy, moved to Jefferson and Nostrum, and um, right across the street from that Masonic Lodge, right across the street from the Masonic Masonic Temple on Nostrum and Jefferson. Yeah, we was on the corner. We, you know, we we was at we. I was coming in and out of the house. We lived in a damn near abandoned building, but right to the left of us on the corner was. Dudes that was selling crack on the corner. The spot, yeah. They were selling crack for some OGs, my OGs, um, that I probably won't mention their name because I don't know what they're doing in life. Yeah, but anybody yeah. that's from Nostrand Avenue, if you know Nostrand and Jefferson, you know who ran Nostrand and Jefferson back in the 80s. So when I came out, the homies, the homie, um, I'm going to call him B. You know what I'm saying? The homie B was like, yo, you need some sneakers? Cause he looked at my feet game, you know what I'm saying? I was about 14, he was like, yo, you need some sneakers? And I was like, yeah. So he was like, yeah, come, come on, come bag this crack up. Come up, you know what I'm saying? Like we got like five people up there bagging kilos of crack. I'm up there bagging some crack up. And that's where I started. So I started bagging crack. Then I started, um, I started being an enforcer for the crack spot, fucking the crackheads up and making sure that they paid the money and they, when they was in a hole and they ain't mess up, you know what I'm saying? Then I moved to the corner hand in hand on the corner with, with the rest of the guys. And that's how my, that, that's how the life pretty much started as far as, as far as that. But going back before that, I used to already go out of town with some older brothers from Queens. I was already going to Raleigh, North Carolina with them and doing things. So I, I, I've been, I've been in the mix since like, been in the mix since like 13, you know, you know, getting my, get, building up my, my criminal portfolio, should I say. Right. Which is, a, that, that's not a good portfolio to build, ladies and gentlemen. Right, right. So to, to make it clear, just so y'all know, we, this, none of this is a glorification of the life. I, I wanted all. you to hear, I wanted you to hear my older brother's story because I mentioned a lot of these things. I mentioned getting out of the hood. I mentioned the things we should do. And before people think, oh, but you in the burb, so what you know about the hood? I want to do this for several reasons. One, because my brother got mad stories. <laughs> and two, because I want y'all to know, I, I know what I'm talking about because I'm literally from the streets. I'm not a street dude, 
but I am right. from the streets. This is what I come from. This is what I grew up in. So I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the streets. Anyway, continue. Facts, facts, facts. I definitely, I definitely vouch for that. Definitely a Brownsville, Brownsville born baby. We was matter of fact, when you was born, uh, we we was living in Brownsville, but on the other side on Ralph Avenue, East 98th Street. Yeah. So you coming in, you a Brookdale, you a Brookdale baby. So you don't get no more Brownsville than Brookdale. Facts. You know what I'm saying? You a Brookdale Facts. baby. So anybody who know Brooklyn and know Brownsville know Brookdale. And if you say you're a Brookdale baby, you're official. So you didn't have to be, you didn't have to be, you know, in the streets to be from the streets. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so yeah, like, so we're not glorifying none of this. This is just, I haven't, I have, I've been out of prison for 12 years now. I haven't been back taxpaying citizen. Yo, so let know. me, let me, let me stop and salute that. Let me tell y'all, I'll never forget when you told me, I asked you the question, you got out of prison and I was like, bro, please tell me this is it. And you was like, bro, this is it. I'm legit. You got your CDL, yeah. you know, started doing that for a while, yeah. did, did some yeah. other things. And I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was nervous for a couple of years. Cause I know, you know, this is my brother. I know him. I was like, this dude is, he's a gangster. Mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I was still shaking. Yeah. I was still shaking. I look, but by, by the grace of God. Right. We not gonna get I, into I that. Still, and yeah. I shook and got out of it. So by right. the grace of God, right. I shook and got out of it unscathed this time. Right. And yes, yeah, I've been living a, a respectful, um, you know, working man like hustling, music, doing music, doing shows, promote, uh, producing artists, managing artists. Right. Um, you know, doing real estate, buying and selling cars. You know, I'm, I'm hustling. I'm by any means right. necessary. Right. I still see so you can't took that hustler's mentality and just put it legal. Right. Well, you can't fool yourself to say, okay, coming home from jail, prison. For anybody watching this, don't, 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 don't trick yourself or don't play with yourself and say, yo, I'm done with the life. I don't, I, I could, I could live and I could work at McDonald's and I could, you know, do this. Do this. Sometimes when you like certain things in life, nice things in life, you have to tell yourself that it's cool to want to, to want to have these things, but it's a way to go about getting them. Right. You dig what I'm saying? Don't say right. you don't need it or you can live without it. Just say, yo, I like I like my lifestyle that I live, my clothes, my cars, my jewelry, but I gotta go get it a different way now. Right, right. You gotta you gotta do this you know? the, the the legal route. You gotta go that Absolutely. legal. Absolutely, 100%. 100%. So, so yo, tell tell this story. This is a story I kind of wanted you to tell, and you told it on another podcast. But so just so y'all know. You you was the you was the cellmate of a famous person, and you was running with this famous person for a while. You wrote a book about it, so talk about that for a little bit. All right. Well, the book is called Flipside, and um, the, the the famous person my brother is referring to is Mr. Riddick Big Daddy Bo, two-time ex heavyweight boxing champ. Um. So the, so let me let me start. This is a good story. I'm glad you mentioned this because. A lot of people probably be like, Riddick Bo, the boxer? So uh, I was going back. I had caught a, a case in New York State, and I went upstate to do some time, and I violated my federal supervised release. So I had to go do, had to go through 13 months for my federal violation after my upstate New York prison bed was done. So quite normally, the feds send you back to whatever prison you left from the last time you left. So they sent me back to Cumberland, Maryland, where I was. And uh, that's the FCI Cumberland, Maryland, and uh, federal facility. And when I got back, 
to make a long story short, some of my homeboys that was there told me that Riddick Bo was in my unit. I didn't see him. I got there the, the, that night. The next day at breakfast, my homeboys told me. So I didn't see Riddick Bo yet. The next, that morning, and matter of fact, rest in peace to my homie Disco, man. He just passed away, man. Uh, David Boynton, man. Uh, Disco was there. Disco was the one that told me, you know, looked out for me when I got there, gave me my, you know, gave me what we do. When real dudes come to prison, they get saluted. Dudes give you your sweatsuits, your walkmans, give you your food, and boom, you set. So anyway, Disco told me Bo was in my house. Finished breakfast, went, went and got my stuff from Disco, went back to my unit. I was in D Block. D-Block. I, I just had to do that. As soon as I walked in my unit, word up, shout out to D-Block and Cumberland, Maryland. As soon as I went to my block, I see Riddick Bo, the, the back. I see a guy, a giant, with his back turned to me. Let me go back for a minute. When we was at breakfast, I asked the New York homies, Riddick Bo from Brooklyn, he's from, he from, he from Brownsville, from my hood. I asked the homies, was they fucking with him? And um, can we curse on here? I, I don't, but it's a real conversation. No, so excuse my excuse that. I asked them, was they, you know, was they was they was they cool with him? Was they what did they accept him in the car? In the car in the feds, everybody got cars, every state got a car. So New York got a car, DC got a car, you know, Jamaicans got a car, Italians got a car. That's just the whip that everybody riding in in that section from that section. So we got a Brook, we got a New York whip, then we got a Brooklyn whip. So now, I, so they tell me now nah, they ain't messing with Bowen in Fort Washington. I mean, the DC and Maryland dudes messing with him, whatever. So when I get there, I see him, I, 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 I go up to him, say, yo, Bo, what up? I told him, yo, yo, it's just man from Brownsville, what up, bye, bye, bye. And as soon as I said Brownsville, his face lit up. His face lit up. Now this two-time ex-heavyweight boxing champ, still got millions, still got 30 cars, still got, big mansions and everything, and he in prison with, with gangsters and murderers. Drug dealers, murderers, kidnappers, everything. They, they, they sentenced him to 18 months for kidnapping his wife and his and his kids from uh, trying to bring them from North Carolina Which to that's uh, back to America. Crazy. That's, that yeah. So they ended up giving him 18 months, so he went to Maryland. I came back on violation. I see Bo, hollered at him, boom, on his trip for Brownsville. We connected right away. We started chopping and building it up. Talking about who our family was, you know, who we know, who I know. And then we 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 became tight like that. The first day I got there, that first day I moved in the cell with Bo. He was in a three-man cell right next to the CO's bubble, right next to the CO office. He was in the cell, 111. I'll never forget that. Him and another DC brother named by the name of um Glenn. Glenn had the stinkest breath. Yo, shout out to Glenn. Glenn wow. had the stinkers breath. Yo, yo. <laughs> if y'all can smell Glenn breath, you y'all be laughing right now. So so shout out to Glenn though. Glenn was cool. Me and so me and both from Brooklyn, we used to be ranking on him because that's what we do in Brooklyn. We be ranking on, we rank on each other. So we used to be ranking him out about the breath. So me and Bo became close. We became cellmates. We did everything together. I cooked, I cleaned, I, I, I protected Bo. I kept doing some stabbing Bo. You know, I even had some situations I had to deal with. Paul Bo in the in the federal penitentiary was he had one or two other guys that really took a liking to him. But with me, the New York car was with him because he was with me, and I took him under the wing and I, I showed him the structure of how prison go because you're in prison now is different. He might be a millionaire in the street and he may be the man in the ring, but in the penitentiary, I was the champ. 
yeah, I was so, the man and I was the- So that's 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 another thing that a lot of young people need to understand, especially these young people who are rich, right? You might be a rapper, you're rich, you, you know, you're talking that hot gangster talk. You have to understand that if you're not really respected like that, you get to prison. They don't care who you are outside of prison. Uh, don't none uh, of that matter. And your paperwork got to be correct. Your paperwork ain't correct. We running you out of there. Straight like that. You out of there. You, your paperwork ain't right or you ain't right. We running you out of there. So, so yeah, so Riddick Bowe became my cellmate and um, we did everything together. Like I said, man, we had big plans. I, I We got out. We both got out. Um, we had big plans to do a lot of things. He solicited me to do some things that's in my book, Flip Side. If y'all want to know what I'm talking about, you got you to gotta get the book once it come out. Just stay in tune and uh, keep looking for that book, Flip Side. It will be out shortly. Uh, however, so we got home. We boxed. We was in o- uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma, fighting. We was training. Jenks Morton, Sugar Ray, coach, was, was there coaching Bo. Um, you know, we, 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 did, we did some good things. We didn't do as much as we supposed to do because, you know, sometimes when people be in prison, and especially when you're really not like that or you're not about that life, you might you might lie to people to get your way through prison so that you could get out. So you might be in a position to help somebody and you might sell them dreams that you're going to help them and you know they're going to look out for you in prison. When you get out, you're going to look out for them. But then when you get out, you know... It's not, it's it's, not what you said it was. Yeah, right. it's not you about that. So make so, a long story short... Right. So would, would, would you say among uh, the criminal elements, would you say that being stabbed in the back is something that you could expect, like just expect it to happen? Oh, uh, yeah, you should. If, if, if you if you know the streets, you should you should be looking for you should be looking for the double cross. You should be looking for the backstab. You should be looking for the setup. If you in the streets and you're not looking for those things, you're going to be a victim. I'm I'm here now, knock knock on marble table right now. Um, I'm 47 years old. I'm still here, and I survived a lot shootouts, uh, uh, Panamanian drug wars in Brooklyn. Yo, so tax spot wars. I'm glad you so brought that up. That. I'm glad you brought that up. So, kind of segue from the from the Riddick Boat thing. I just kind of wanted you to tell you know a little bit of that story. I wanted, I don't want this to go too long, but I want to get into a couple different things here and there as we go along. So. Tell the story. Now, I remember, let, let me set it up from, from my angle. I was, where was we living? We was living on, that's when we was on Amboy, right? We was on Amboy. Yeah. The yeah, was so, the, we was in the homeless shelter on, in Brownsville right. on Amboy between each other. Right, so I, I you know, my, my viewers, I've already told stories on this podcast and my other podcasts. I've told y'all stories about growing up, being in shelters and all that crazy stories. So when I talk about poverty, I know what I'm talking about. I was there. So... I remember I was 13, I think it was right before I turned 14, because I wasn't in, I was getting ready to get out of junior high school, it was right before I went to Transit Tech, and I remember mommy came in the house, for those of you who are not from New York, we, a lot of us New Yorkers, we call our mother mommy, y'all might hear this this lingo, and, and not really understand, you know, how things go, this is just what we do, so anyway, mommy came in the house and was like, your brother's been shot. A couple times he's in the hospital. I don't have any other details. Yo, I'm not gonna lie, bro. I was like, yo, <laughs> it was it was tight that day. It was tight that day because we stayed home. It was me, Jamel, and Renee stayed at the house, and I think mommy came up to visit you. 
And then I think Renee might have went to visit you the day after that or something like that. So tell that story, how all that transpired without giving any details uh, to incriminate yeah, anyone. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. No, everything, every, everything that I talk about right now that we talk about, um, hold on, that's my, that's my thing. Everything, everything that I talk about now, the statute of limitations is up on all okay. the things that I'm talking about. So okay. there's no criminal element to anything. I'm just telling this, a true life story of a young kid growing up in Brooklyn, single parent, welfare, five, five sisters and brothers. You know what I'm saying? That's it. That's my story. Growing up in the hood, how, how it was. So, oh man, let me get into that story. How I get into that story. Hmm. Cause you was running uh, with the, you was running with the, with the Jamaicans at the time. Uh, I was running with some Panamanians. Well, the Panamanians, yeah, the Panamanians. People might have thought, they, have thought they was Jamaican because they was dreads, but they was from right. Panama. They 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 listen to reggae music and they speak Spanish. They speak Spanish and listen to reggae music and they look like they like dreads, rosters. Right. Then they were they were they were rosters. So I was a part of a uh, a Panamanian mercenary crew out of Brooklyn who had crack spots all over Brooklyn and didn't didn't take no shit from nobody from nobody. Went to war with a lot of people. We went to war. We had crack spots doing, making thirty thousand dollars a day. I ain't gonna tell you where in Brooklyn it was, but crazy. Um, we had crack spots making thirty thirty thousand a day, and I was one of the one of the lieutenants at the at the time. wasn't my spot. It was my OG homies. It was their spot, but I was their young homie, and I was the lieutenant of the spot. And I ran it. I ran it. I was the boss while I was there. On my ship, I was the boss. I didn't have to touch nothing. All I had to do was put the work in the hole and get the money back out. That's it. Make sure to make sure the count is right. So, yeah, man. So that pretty much was it. So we was going to war with a lot of with a lot of guys because we was taking a lot of money. And the guys that I was with wasn't no joke. They ain't played no not one game with nobody. Um, and yeah, one day in 1990, you know, in the in the early 90s, I ain't even gonna say the exact date because I don't want nobody to you know saying to, to, to be slick or try to pull piece together. But in the early 90s, it was a hot day. And um. Before I went, before I left out, I was in Brownsville, we was in Amway. Before I left, my mother told me she had a vision that, that they shot my man and they was chasing me with a gun. She didn't say I got shot. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like Jay-Z, those are nightmares, mom. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm just doing my thing. So now I walk, I walk to where we had the crack spot at, which was a nice, decent walk. But it was nice, it was hot. You know what I'm saying? Boom, I had all, all my jewelry on. Had my strap. I walked. You know what I'm saying? I was walking, chilling. Got to the spot. Now I'm changing shifts with with my partner because my partner got the night shift. I got the day shift. One of my partner at the time. I'm changing. I'm changing the money count with him. And then after I finished making sure the crack spot was good, somebody come to the to the to the hole. They had like five bags of some marijuana. I bought that, rolled that up, went outside, sat in the car. Outside, I was smoking marijuana in the car while I was watching the spot. My partner came out. He he came out. I seen him. He looked around for a minute, paused, and he got in the driver's seat. I was in the passenger seat. And like two, like a minute, two minutes after he got in the in the driver's seat, all I heard was a. I seen a flash of light and I heard it. I seen it and heard it that fast. You you see it and you hear it. Gunshot. They start going off right on my side. The first shot. The first shot was at my head, and, and I'm telling you that because when we got out and looked at the car, when we, we got out of the hospital looked at the car, there was a hole on the outside of the car by my head. Crazy. But the bullet, never, the bullet never penetrated inside. But I did get hit 
three times. My man, my partner got hit ten times. Crazy, so bro. We both, we both, we both, we both survived. It wasn't crazy like a movie. We get hit. I'm high from smoking marijuana, so I'm not panicking. I'm not. I'm hit when they start shooting. My wrist, my my wrist, my uh, my uh, reflex was to dive to the back of the car. Both of us couldn't go to the back of the car at the same time. But I was thinking first, so I went to the back of the car and was going out because it happened that fast and I was getting out of the pass of the driver's side in the street. When I opened the door, I fell out the car and I, I realized that I couldn't move. And then my one of my hands was bleeding. My, my hand was bleeding. I was holding it was bleeding and I couldn't move. I was like paralyzed. So my, my partner got hit, when he got hit 10 times, later, later he told me, one bullet would knock him out. One bullet would wake him up, and that's how. Dang. And then, so when he, when, when they when they finished shooting, it was about forty shell cases on the ground when they finished shooting. That's Good what the cops say. And my my buddy got out the car, and he was like, "Oh shit, I'm dying. I'm oh shit." You know what I'm saying? And he walked by me. He hit ten times. He walked by me and went and linked two houses down on the gate. And then his brother, all our workers, everybody is happening fast. They coming out the crack spot. You know, everybody panicking. So they, they put him in the car. I'm on the street, can't move. I'm, I'm bleeding. I'm like, oh, I thought they was going to leave me. So I was on the street. I thought right. they was going to. So then they came and picked me up and put me in the car. So me and him in the backseat, he, he he like, oh, shit, I'm dying. My daughter, he just he just saying a bunch of shit. He conscious, though. We up unconscious. His brother's in the front seat screaming. They driving down the streets. We going to Woodhall Hospital. And, you know what I'm saying? Out the that chop way, shop. They hit, yeah. They hitting garbage cans. The, the driver hitting garbage cans. Now the car, the car is riddled with bullets. He driving it. They hitting cans. They on the sidewalk. We get to the hospital. It's like a scene out of Belly for those who know the movie Belly. They drop us off and they keep it moving because there's gangster stuff going on. Nobody want to be questioned by no cops. They dropped right. us off. Boom. They left all bloodied up. They got out of there. We in the hospital. My man is in ICU. I'm in surgery. Boom. I get I get out. You know, a week or two later, he stays in for a month. I'm paralyzed, but I'm home. I'm on crutches. And you know what I'm saying? And that was that story about me getting shot and at the crack spot. And um, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I was right back at it. We was right back at the crack spot. As soon as I healed up, I was back at the crack spot. When you were young, I was 18. You know, that was like, I, I, it didn't scare me, but I was built for this life. My mom's is a gangster. My mom messed with gangsta, our mother messed with gangsta guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was kind of built and conditioned for this. So to me, it's a go. I was just on go mode, and that's what it was. Right. Not until later in my life, I realized that that was all insanity. Yeah. Now, I want now I want to pause right there for all of the, the... I hope this will be shared with somebody, some young kid who is thinking that this life is glorious. Now, as a kid, things are exciting, right? As you said, you was 18, it's exciting. You yeah. think you built for this. Yeah. But now, yeah. as, a older, as an older man, more seasoned, more wisdom, you look back at it and you can, you can say honestly, yeah, that was insanity. Yeah. I, I, I wish more OGs would talk to some of these young kids and say, look, you might be a gangster and you might be tough, and you might be about that life, but it ain't about nothing. Go do something that's else. A long, that, that, that's a long, a long rabbit hole 
um, and it's hard to it's hard to recover from that. Um, first of all, just walking through prisons and penitentiaries, you you go in by yourself. You ain't got your gun. You ain't got your mother. You ain't got your brother. You ain't got your homeboy. You ain't got none of that. All you got is your 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 manhood, and that's it. Your word and your manhood. That's all you got when you go in there. So, you know, it's not easy to to to, to, to walk that walk and be a stand up guy and not to be a rat. And not and, and to be honorable and not to have no cuts on your face after doing 20, 25 years and not get stabbed and not get, you know, to, to be able to make it to go through that, it takes a certain level of mental toughness that everybody's right. not fit for. Everybody's not fit for that. And a lot of people break down. A lot of people, you know, uh, uh that life, trust me, when you get in there, if you're not built for that, you might be somebody chick. You might have some lipstick on, you might have a mop wig on. Crazy. You know, has some pumps on so if, if you might think it's it, it's glorious and you might think the street life and the gangsters all that and you want to kill up stuff and you want to kill somebody but when you get behind them behind them walls behind them gates reality gonna set in you're gonna be crying you're gonna be mad at yourself you're gonna tell yourself if you had it all to do all over again that you wouldn't make the same mistakes twice right. you wouldn't do that again because the 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 repercussions behind your actions don't match the benefits of your life. Right. And then, then you spend all that time, like I said earlier, you spend all that time doing that. And then when you come home, you got to start from ground zero. So now you be 30, 40 or whatever, starting from ground zero, we're trying to, trying to better your life, which was double hard. If, whether, right. uh, double harder than if you would have did it in the beginning. Right. So you, you, you actually have made life more complicated on yourself if you yes. happen to make it that far in life. If you yes. make it. Yeah. Yes. If so you those... make it to my age, if you make it to my age, you done comp you made you complicated your whole life. You waste your whole life, your family. I missed out of my brothers and my sisters and my kids, I missed twenty years. Uh on uh, different and not straight, but in, in intervals, I missed twenty years of my brothers, my sisters, and my kids' life. So I can't get that back. Yeah. I can't I can't get that back, the things that I would have did, the graduation, I, I, I miss graduations. You know what I'm saying? I miss, I miss being able to uh, let my brothers drive their first car. Well, I think I did that with, I don't know if I did that with you, but I know I did it with Jamel and everybody Jamel. else. Yeah, I was, I was already- Jamel, you was already, yeah, yeah you was already yeah, good. I was gone, yeah. Yeah, you was gone. You was gone already. Yeah. So yeah, man. Um, you know that that's one of my stories, man. I got I, I got stories, man. Like, yo, so know, man. tell the tell the story. Tell this. So two stories I want you to tell. I always tell people this. I I you introduced me to hip hop. I never forget. We this is when we was living on. I want to say it was when we was living on Newport. You brought, I think it was Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. You had brought home uh, a tape at the time, and I remember hearing that. I can't. I'm, I'm trying to remember what song it was or what group of songs it was. I remember hearing Dougie Fresh, and I remember hearing Slick Rick, and I was like, "Oh, what's this?" And then this, I will never forget this. I I can't remember the story of how you got this, but before anybody knew about Wu Tang. I will never forget you coming to that. This is, we lived on, I think this is when we lived on Autumn. We was living in East New York at the time. Yeah, that was, that was the 90s right there. And I remember you bringing, it was, it was Method Man 
and I don't remember what other song it was, but this was early. This was like before anybody knew who Wu Tang was. I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna stop you and tell you where. I'm gonna tell you where you heard and why you think it was, why you thought it was a tape, and it could have been a tape. I don't remember that, but I know that I used to listen to a lot of Stretch and Bobito. It it might have been Stretch and Bobito, yeah, because I remember. I put you. I turned you on to that too. Yeah, yeah, you did. they used to play all of that, but I definitely did have tapes though. I probably I know I had the only built for the Cuban links. I had the, um the 36 Chambers Wu Tang. You know what I'm saying? I'm a young teenager. You're younger than me. I'm a young teen. That was my era. That was my time. Right. So, was you, know, you we, was you that, that, was you running yeah. in Staten Island back then? Because I never uh, I never really yeah I never really asked you if you was running nah, with any peace, peace, peace to the gods. Peace to Wu Tang. Peace to the gods. Those my brothers. Those my air likes. Um. Now I never ran to Staten Island. That's one of the boroughs that. I never ran in, man. I ran in Harlem. I ran in the Bronx a little bit. I ran all through Brooklyn, um, Queens a little bit. I ran through Queens a little bit. You know, I got homies everywhere. I got I got family everywhere. So, but right. never never right. sta- never Staten Island. I never ran through Staten Island like that. But guess what? The guards made Staten Island famous. You know what I'm saying? They put Staten Island on the map, and um, the brothers been a staple in my life. The music that they make been 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 a, a motion picture in my life as well. So, so, all right, here's another thing. Tell, tell the story. I know it's a brief story. It's not really much to it, but you, you running into big while being locked up. Oh man, that's another story. Damn, son, you, you, you digging in the crates right now. Yeah. Yo, rest in peace, Biggie Smalls, Notorious Big, man, best I, best I do or die, son. Yeah, man, so, uh, I didn't really know big on the streets. I was on Ocean Avenue. Um, on NA Rock between Gates and Jefferson at the time, anywhere in between there, anywhere between in the blocks, and um, Big was on on Wash on Fulton and St St James and, and and Green and all that. He was on that side, you know, what I'm saying which is not too far from where we lived. Nah, down. it was close. Yeah, it was close. It was close. Walking but distance. I, I, never knew, I, I never knew, son. So, um, I get locked up in North Carolina selling selling cocaine in North Carolina in the, in the nineties. Um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, I, I fought five years. Um, I've been a soldier. I've been a soldier, man, from day one, man. Uh, so I'm in. I'm in uh, Wake County Jail in North Carolina. So they put all of the New York guys that was coming down to North Carolina getting in trouble. They put us all in a pod in, in Wake County Jail. They put all the New York guys, all the bad tough guys, all in the same pod. So um, you know, we we in there. <laughs> You know, you're young, man. You, we young, we wow, we wowing out. There's a TV outside the bars, and I'm telling you this for a reason. You in a cage, you in a cage, and then you then you got like five or six cells with four beds apiece within that cage. So when they when they open your cell to let you out from sleeping and all that, you're still in the cage. But the shower, stand-up showers there, the table you can eat on is there, and they got a TV on the other side of the bars. So now we in there wowing. We playing this game. We used to play the game. Shout out to all my guys. Was in Wake County Jail back in the '90s in Paul. My New York guys from the Bronx, Queens, Gerald and them from Queens. Um, who else? My son Pee Wee from the Bronx. Um, then my son. Oh, uh, it's it's too it's too many. My son E from Coney Island. So we in there playing Dirty Hearts. It's like spades, but it's hearts. We playing it for splashing cups up your nose. So if you lose, if you lose, everybody's four, it's four people playing. If you lose, 
three of us gonna splash water up your nose. That's wild. We young, wild, you know what I'm saying? Young, we doing that. So anyway, to get to the big story, I just wanted to show y'all what we was doing, just wilding out in there and fighting and stuff, cursing the COs out, acting stupid and ignorant. So boom, it's late night. We we locked in in the cells. We got music jamming because you can have Walkmans in there, and you know what I'm saying. Everybody fighting. The dudes is fighting murders. I'm fighting a I'm fighting a uh I'm fighting a, a B felony for um for for distribution of cocaine, possession of cocaine with right. intent to deliver. So I'm fighting that. My man's and them is fighting murders. My other man's and them is fighting drug shit. So we all in there doing doing what we do. So we late night. We up cracking jokes, we up talking, da 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 da. We up, and I see this big nigga. Cause they put it, they put you, they like to put the big dudes in the tight, like the tightest orange jumper. Right. We Trying had the orange you. jumper at the orange joint. So I see this big dude in like a snug orange jumper. I see him coming down the gallery like they're gonna bring him in. They so we could see the COs walking you on the other side of the gates coming in. We could see them walking you down. And then they got their keys, they getting their keys, they gonna open the gate to let you in with us. It's like animals, it's like the fuck, it's like the animals. Right. Opening up the gate, letting letting another animal in. So, but I seen his haircut, son, and I was like, yo. I said, yo, that's a Brooklyn haircut right there. We in North Carolina, Raleigh. I said, yo, that's in the early 90s. I said, no, the late 80s. It wasn't even 90s yet. Was it 90s yet? It might've been 89, 90, somewhere around there. I said, that dude from Brooklyn, man, look at that haircut. So he came in with his bedroll, put his bedroll on the floor, because now you ain't got no bed. We got all the cells is filled. They're going to give you a thin-ass mattress, and you're going to sleep on the floor. That's on the crazy. concrete. Yeah, now nah, that's how it goes down. You're going to sleep right on the concrete floor. So he put his roll by my, by, by, by my cell. And um, it, it was me, and it was four, it was four of us in the cell, so it's me and three other guys. Two of them was from New York, and one guy was from North Carolina. So, so we talking and shit. We laughing, joking. You know, everybody want to know who the new guy, who the new person is, who you, who you. You know what I'm saying? We we checking because right. we need to know. You you know you might be a rat, you might be a molester, you might be whatever. So we checking to see yo. Who, so let, let me up, let me pause from? let me pause for a minute before you continue. It's funny how the one thing that's universal is don't nobody respect no child molester nowhere anyway yeah, no, nobody nobody so start talking to son like yo what up son where you from where you, where you from he like i'm from brooklyn i said word so yeah i'm from brooklyn too man you know, at the time we live in the bad style so but, yeah i'm from the style from ocean ave he was like oh shit i'm from uh i'm, I'm from uh over there st james and green washington on that side of fulton I said word so we kicking it and then we talking about some of the ogs and he mentioned my one of my OGs, Bo from Nostrand Avenue for NA Rock. Salute, Bo. My definitely one of my OGs. Um, they looked up to that dude, man, for sure. So anyway, he said, "Yo, he mentioned that you know, what I'm saying, boom, he used to do some things with Bo and blah blah blah." And then, so we we got super cool in there. So now, Big is in there on a gun charge, I believe, or drugs. I forgot which one. He already started rapping, I believe. He was in the in the beginning and starting to rap and stuff. But he was still in North Carolina in the streets and Raleigh with us shaking and doing things. And he was doing things. So while we was running around playing and acting crazy, and he used to just be sitting, he used to be sitting on this bench looking at the videos, looking at TV. 
Like he wasn't playing with us. He wasn't really joking, none of that. Right. He was just looking at that time, Chub Rock came out. 1990, Chub Rock jumps up on the scene with the, so Chub Rock, beat you right? So Chub yeah. Rock came out with that video and Biggie was like hypnotized by that video, son. He was hypnotized, son, hypnotized. Right. And that's and, and all he did, and he wasn't there long. He was there for about a week and he got okay. bailed out. I didn't get bailed out. I didn't have no bail. I was on a fugitive, a fugitive hole. I was a fugitive from justice from New York in North Carolina. That was a whole another story. I, right, you know, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I shot at somebody upstate New York and then got locked up. They got bailed out and went on a run. Got caught in North Carolina. They made me a fugitive from justice and boom. So then, that, then I ended up getting five years down there going to going to uh going to the penitentiary down there. But um one one yo, you know, that that pen, my whole penitentiary life and them story, those are a whole other we could get into a whole other uh, a whole other segment of just how it was in different places. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like I, like I was in in Lawton in DC. I was in Aquaquan, the DC prison, in DC jail, DC County jail, and you know, so I've been in Central Prison in North Carolina, and you know, what I'm saying, um, a lot of, you know, Allenwood Penitentiary and the Feds, a lot of different places, and it's different things going on, it's different attitudes, and it'd be nice to show some young, some young dudes exactly what you're gonna be facing if you go down that road. Right. If you go yeah. down that route. It's not but, be but, easy. But, but um going back, going back to uh Biggie, yeah man, so I never really got a chance to I never really got a chance to be around him because he got killed. Like I went to prison and then when I was in prison he blew up and then when I came home he got killed. Right. And that was so that was when was that when we was living on autumn and the police raided the crib? Like right when I went, I think I went to school that day and um, came back. Was was that that time? Um, nah, nah, that was that's a whole another other, crazy story. Yes, yeah, crazy story. So that beef was, that beef was um me and my me and my younger cousin um Saratoga Meigs, Mister Follow That Bag, salute Saratoga Meigs, my cousin. I I love you, kid. And even though we ain't seeing eye to eye, you still my younger cousin. I loved you before you could love me. But anyway. Me, me and Migs, I was in Virginia, and I went and got Migs, and rest in peace, K-Mel, the guard K-Mel, and um, little Damien, I went and got them, and we start, we start hustling and selling drugs in Virginia, Woodbridge. And um, we, we, we took over, we took over, we was doing good, we took over the projects, and they was with me, and one day we went back to, we went back to New York, we always had a lot of jewelry and shit, and I had a gun on me, and when we was leaving back to go, I had to take, we took the bus to New York because my girl had the car, my Beamer got taken. Two weeks prior, downtown Brooklyn, the Beamer got taken with some drugs and guns in it. Went back to Virginia, my girl got the car, we got to come back to New York for some work. So we jump on the bus, fresh to death, big jury, the big gun on me. We go, we go to New York, we do our thing, we move around, we shake, we going back on the bus, going back to Virginia, get off at DC, first and K, the narcotics pulled up on us, knocked me with a gun. It knocked me. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, I do yeah, remember you, you that. Guys was, yeah. You guys was living when that happened. You got yeah. You guys was living on autumn at the time. I yeah, that was right. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. So they knocked me. Migs got out. I took the gun charge. They sent me to the federal. They sent me. They, they made it a federal offense for me to have a 
a weapon on me, a convicted felon in possession of a firearm, a 922G, according to the U.S. Uh, government penal code. So here's another, let me, let me stop, let me pause you. Here's another tidbit I'm going to leave to you young people that want to be gangsters. You can retain all your rights and have guns legally stay out them streets. Anyway, right. continue. Right, right, exactly. I wish I, I wish I would have, I wish I would have did that. Um, so nevertheless, uh, man, I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the holding cell with all the, they got all the guys that's, you know, from DC that's getting in trouble and they going to court and all that. I'm in the holding right. cells, fresh to death, orange, 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 um, orange leather Tims with the gummy bottoms, fresh, fresh, um, guest jeans, hill figure. Hillfigure shirt with the Hillfigure vest with the Hillfigure hat. You know what I'm saying? Jewelry, fronts, everything. So I'm in there and they calling everybody but me. And the DC dudes is like, oh man, ain't no paper juice. They ain't calling you, you gonna get out. Next thing you know, I hear some chains coming. Some, you know, like some, if you watch a slavery movie and you hear chains, that's what they right. sound like. Yeah, you know, it's this getting real. Oh, this getting serious. Real. Yeah. Coming, like they, they call my name. Oh man. You like, what's what, this? What's this? And, and, and the feds, the marshal, U.S. marshals are different. The federal government different. The FBI, U.S. marshals different. Yeah, they, they show up for in. you. Man, listen, yo, you coming with us? Where I'm going? Going across the street to, to, to district court. What's district court? A federal court. You can be in charge with a federal offense against the United States government for possessing oh, that. man. So it's me against the United States government. I end up getting... Uh, that's a funny story. I end up, I, that was my first gun offense. So that was my first gun offense. Not my first shooting, but my first actual getting caught with a gun. But I was already a felon. So that made me a convicted felon in possession of a firearm. So my my my, my category in the feds, they got they got category they put you in. I was kind of low. So I was right. facing, I was facing like three years, 36 months. So some kind of way, I'm a smooth talker. I, I smooth talked the judge to let me out to go to a halfway house until I get sentenced. While he let me out, I took off. I was gone. So that's where it come to play when they came and raided the feds, raided the house. Yeah. So I, I, got back, I made it. I made it back to Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Is that we in East New York, and you know what I'm saying? We running around in the tunnel. I just came back from the tunnel that night. That early in the morning, we just came back from the tunnel. For those who don't yes. know. The, the tunnel was the premier hip hop club back then. And if you was not thorough, if you was not about that life, you stayed yeah, away from the tunnel. Stay away from the tunnel, baby. I'm trying to tell you, Brooklyn, we Brooklyn, we was going crazy in the tunnel. So I'm in the tunnel with the homies. We out there and then I get dropped off five, five thirty six in the morning. Go to the like, lay down. All of a sudden, little Dwight from downstairs came upstairs and was like, yo, knocked on the door. It was like, yo, there's some, there's some police knocking on our door. They knocking on the door downstairs. They want us to open the door. Da, 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 da. Mommy, mommy, you know, wakes me up. She tell me it was um, the police outside. Look, I look, get up. I look over, I see them standing across the street. I'm like, oh shit. So um, you, did you, just, you just left for school. Just left. Like literally just just left, left to go to school. Roston, Roston is in the kitchen holding Tati and Jamela's at the table. So it's Roston, Tati, and Jamela at the table. Mommy's standing up, and I'm standing up in the kitchen. So when they come up, they knock on the door. 
<laughs> I open the door, see them coming up. The, no, they, they didn't even knock first. I open up the door and see them coming up the steps. I didn't even know they was in the hallway, but I opened up the door, probably trying to make my move, and they right. was right there on the steps. So I closed the door. I closed the door back after they saw me. I closed the door, and then they knocked on the door, and then I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I opened the door. They was like, yo, Ralph, and they told me my name. I was like, nah, that ain't me. And I was trying to game them. They was like, come on, man, look, we got the foul right here, you. And I went, and then that's the time they raided, and I went, I went back yeah. to the feds. That's when I went for my five-year bid. So, so I wanted to ask you this. When did you realize that the dude you was talking to in North Carolina was big? Because he wasn't big. He, he wasn't the big that we knew. Yeah, yeah, when, I, didn't, when, I didn't know. Um, I mean, I, I didn't know. We, we chopped it up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And I knew he was just starting out rapping, and I knew he was rapping for Brooklyn and all that. But I didn't know who he was until, like, you know, until he blew up. When I, I'm in, I'm right. in prison and blow up. I see you, right. So I'm saying, oh shit, that's my son right there. That's son that I met. Boom, boom, boom. That's my own boy from Brooklyn. Ba da 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 da. Right, right. Crazy so, man. It's, it's yeah. crazy how to. So look, I always wanted to ask you this question. I, I never asked you this. And again, for those who are listening, this is not about glorifying this life. He's already told you, it's not the path you want to go down. You waste a lot of time. But I always wanted to know, and I never asked you, so this is an exclusive first time I'm asking you this. You might have been asked by somebody else. Did you ever have any interactions with Jay-Z back when we was living on Quincy? Um, You know what, man? I'm, nah, I'm going to say no. But I used to run with some Tompkins dudes out of Tompkins Projects. Um, right. Shout out to um, Noach and uh, Timo, McFreeze, Timo, Nate. It's a bunch of dudes. Um, so we used to hang in the projects. I used to hang in Tonkers with them, and you know, Noach, his people was just from Marcy and from Sumner. So we used to go through there. But I never, I never ran in a hove. I believe, I don't know for sure, but when we used to live on Nostrand and Jefferson, there was this shorty that lived across the street from us. This little thick joint, and I believe Hove used to come over there and check shorty. You know what I'm saying at at the time, but never had no interactions with the guard. But salute, the, salute, and peace to Hove. Um, another uh, Brooklyn legend, you know, um, did it like nobody else did it. And, um, man, I, I you know, so if you, if you, if you could go back, right. If, if, if you had the opportunity, let's say you had a time machine and you could go back and warn your younger self and tell your younger self anything, let's go back to, let's go back to Newport. If you could go back then you 13, that, that summer you had that growth spurt. I remember that. Yo, I'm so I'm the I'm the runt of the litter for y'all for y'all that know which which you bro like six two six three, I remember, I remember the summer you I think you I think you was thirteen, you was like my height and like the end of that summer, dude I was like who is this kid like I just saw him, <laughs> like the beginning of this summer and he was like five something now he's like six two like what the heck is going on so if you could go back to that time and tell yourself anything, what would be that message? I would say, my man, put a condom on, strap up. Okay. Put a condom on, dude. What you doing? You bugging. Okay. You know, you, you years old and you making a baby. You don't even know how to be a father. You know what I'm saying? Like, put a, put right. a condom, that one, one, the main thing would be put a condom on, and then the next thing will be, yo, stay, yo, listen, 
you could do it. Keep playing sports, stay in school. Like keep playing baseball, you love baseball. Keep playing baseball, stay in school, you can do it. You can do it, stay in school, you can do it. And you was always athletic too. I I play all sports, I play all sports. Yeah, that's... Put the boots on you now too. Right, right, right. If I, if I, if I could leave people with anything, hearing these, hearing these stories, because a lot of kids, like I said, will hear the stories, and the only thing they'll take from it is they'll go, "Oh, he met big," or "Oh, he had this," or "Oh, he had a Benz at this age," or "He saw this much money." But what they won't pay attention to is what you said. The streets have no insurance. The streets has no pension. There's no retirement. It is seldom that you see, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it is very seldom that you see a drug dealer, a kingpin that makes it out of that life with anything. It does happen, but it is rare. It is, it is very rare. My whole crew, my whole crew was like everybody, everybody, some, some dead, some paralyzed, some, some of us shot up, you know, we, we put our work in and did our thing too, but there's no, there's no, um, there's no easy way of being in the streets. There's no, if you think it's easy, if you think that, that there's going to be all good, it's not going to be all good. It's not going to be right. all good in the and, and everybody I know, thank God that I was fortunate enough to um, be smart enough to have knowledge of self, to be smart enough to be able to navigate around a lot of the obstacles that be in front of us when you in the streets. I was able to navigate around that, and that's why I'm here to this day. But a lot of people I know are not here. They're either in jail with life or they're either dead. Point blank, period. Yeah. I'm a last of a dying breed. I'm a last, let me repeat that. I'm a last of a dying breed. Born in the 70s, raised in the 80s and 90s. I'm a last of a dying breed. I, I'm cut from a, a tomahawk, assassins, um, Puerto Rican skull gang cloth out of Brooklyn, East New York, straight up. That's the cut, I'm cut from that cloth. Puerto Rican skull gangs, Tomahawks, assassins, I'm cut from that cloth right there. Not many of us left around. So I always try to tell my younger brothers, my sons, because I got sons that's grown men, and any young brother that I come across, I always try to tell them, yo, it's not what you want, man. You know, do something different, go get a job. The working man is winning. You know what I'm saying? I I always, I always promote a positive hustle, we're getting a job, number one, and hustling legally and legitly to right. to obtain to obtain the success that everyone should have. Yeah, a lot of these a lot of these kids need to understand you hustling backwards if you waste your teens and your twenties and your thirties in the streets, in and out of jail, selling drugs, shootouts, getting shot, gun charges, losing your rights to turn 40 and then and then at that point say all right let me clean it up it's good that you made it to that point you clean it up don't get me wrong it's good that you did that but you hustled backwards absolutely definitely definitely i'm I'm just fortunate i'm fortunate and i'm and i'm happy and i thank god that my brothers like yourself my younger brother our younger brother my sons and 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 your sons everybody is all good i was the only one out of all my mother kids, I'm, I'm the only one to this day that ever deviated and took the street route and the gangster route. All my sisters and brothers and all my nieces and nephews and all my kids, everybody is good to go. But it's good because maybe 
and, and, and sort of in a way, everybody could look at me and say, oh, my uncle did that. I don't need to do that. My brother did that. I don't need to do that. Right. You know and yeah, and, and let this be let this be a lesson to everybody who believes that just because of your circumstance, you have to pick that life. Because like you said, you have a choice, right? We all grew up in the same household, in the same hoods. We all had a choice, right? Now, your circumstances may have been slightly different because you was the older, right? You know, first or whatever, felt like you had to, you know, do something else, which, and I definitely understand that. But there's definitely a choice because there's a lot of young kids that grow up in the hood that think to themselves, I got to join this gang. No, you don't have to. I got to go out. I got to go outside. I got to do with these. Now nah, you don't have to. And it, you know what I found? This is what I found. The dudes, the dudes who was in the streets like that. If they saw that you was, that you were intelligent and had a future or you, you were good with sports or whatever it was, they would always say, nah, you, you don't need to be in these streets. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. And that, that, I think that should tell these young kids something like if, if these dudes are telling me, nah, go do what you're doing, then clearly they know something that I don't know. The unfortunate thing that I see, especially, yo, New York is a mess right now. Like the activity going on in New York, like there's some things about New York that's different. Them gangs and gangs and all that. We didn't have Bro. that. I, we didn't have that when I came up. So you had to be, you had to be, you had to be tough by yourself when I grew up. It wasn't about you being down with somebody and all. Right. You had to be tough by yourself. And the right. nowadays things and all that is really out of control. And um, it's it's sad. It's it's really truly sad. You know what I'm saying? It's sad. And you know, it's the sad part is. Um, sometimes you can't talk to the younger brothers, man, because they don't really want to hear what you're saying. They don't. You know, they don't want to hear what you're saying. But then I was, I guess I was there before. We was all young before where you're young and you high head and you think you know everything. Right. You know, but um, I, I, it's a destruction that's going on within the black community right, right. now with us it blacks is. killing each other. It's a terrible, terrible sickness. And we need to get rid of that. We need to get, right. we need to get rid of that. We need to come out of that mental slavery that, that we've been trapped Look. in. I have been bro. I've been saying this for a long time. You can't blame white supremacy at this point. You can say, you can make the argument that yeah, slavery, white supremacy led to certain attitudes. Okay. I'll give you that, but we not there right now. We not there right now. You got plenty of opportunities and there's too many opportunities. Plenty opportunities, bro. Plenty opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. and that's, that's kind of why I wanted to do this conversation with you. Se- several reasons, right? I, w- I wanted people to see two people. We grew up in the same exact household. It wasn't like I grew up in a house. You grew up in a different house. We was in the same house in the same streets right now. Like I said, your circumstance and my circumstance was slightly different because I had you as an older brother to kind of keep the wolves at bay. Like, nah, y'all not. Y'all not putting my brothers out in the street like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, com- I'm coming nah. up. I'm coming up to junior. I'm going to junior high school. I'm right. going up to the high school. I'm right. going up. Wherever. Yo, you know that's my little brother right there. Yo, here. Yo, that, you know that's my you're... little brother. You know, home and like that. You know, I'm coming up with the bikes. I might be right. riding the bike. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. But the but but the point being is that we both had to make decisions. You made your decisions. I made my decisions. And just like I always say. 
I was able to, to, to talk to you about certain things and to see the life that you was living. And I was like, you know what? This life is a little, <laughs> that's a little hard and problematic. <laughs> it's a little bit yeah. of drama. I'm not, I'm not about going to jail and being shot at and, and, and fighting for prison food and, and phone calls and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not You're about fighting, that life. Fight, fighting over the TV. Bro, that's like, it, it, it's madness. It's like celebrated slavery. That's what I feel like when I, when, when I hear and the thing, so this is a, this is another thing I want to deal with before we end this. I remember hip hop being balanced, right? Where I could hear DMX on the radio and I could hear mob deep on the radio. And then the next thing I could hear is common, right? I could hear NWA and then poor righteous teacher. I could hear a tribe called quest and in here mob deep it was a balance it wasn't just a one-sided message of street 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 you can hear outcasts and you can hear you know what i'm saying like it was a variety right. of diversity of music but what happened is the the, the major record companies are only paying for the ignorant shit. they only yes paying that's exactly what's happened they only paying that's see exactly. what happened is in order, in order for in order for um the, the 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 puppet master the the, the 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 individuals the individual families that control the country in order for them to stay in power they got to keep us unpowered ignorant you can give some of us some money that's no problem you right. can give some of us a lot of money that's no problem but you got to keep the majority of us doing the negative the ignorant doing killing each other hating each other you know right. in and out the prison systems you have to keep us like that and how do you do that? You do it through music. Music is very and, influential. And other other forms right. of avatar. Music and, and entertainment. Yeah, look, I, I've said this time and time again. I am I am a lover of hip hop as a music, but I don't necessarily love all of his content for sure, especially after I got saved. You know, a lot of things change. I still love hip hop, but yeah. it's a it's a I I realized after getting saved, I was like, yo this music is damaging, like depending on what you listen to, like this stuff is really to, to a weak person. A lot of, yeah. a lot of artists like to say, Oh, I'm not a Roma. I'm just making music. Nah, homie. It's not just music. It's not just yeah. music. I'm not saying that the, the onus of responsibility is all on the rappers, but what, what, what these rappers say have influence, right? Cause I remember, I mean, look, I'm 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 not a, I'm not a street dude, right? But I remember when I listened to 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 uh Capone and Noriega T O N Y, you couldn't tell me in my room listening to that I wasn't the biggest thug on the planet, right? Now take somebody who's really ignorant and ready to jump out the window. You know what I'm saying? You hear that? You on go mode right out no, the no, gate. That's, no, that's true. No, that, that the type of music you listen to can influence your behavior if you're weak and if you don't have nobody around you that's that's instructing you that this is just entertainment right this is not real they, right. these guys that you see rapping they're not living that life most of them some of them very few of them but most of them not living that life they right. just no talk doubt. about it and then maybe even the guys that's talking about it never lived the life but the, right. they, they start making money and then they start living some guys didn't have no criminal records until they got a record deal which makes no look I, and this is i know i'm kind of getting on all kind of tangents what i never understood like a person like chris brown here's a dude from virginia 
you singing, you dancing, you are killing the game and you're a gang member now, bro. That's yeah. mind blowing. Like, yeah, I like nutty. I, that. That's nutty. Look, hustling look backwards Casanova. again. Look at Casanova, Brooke, not to cut you off, but look at Cass. Bro, Casanova, that... Casanova finished right now. Oh man, man. And I, this... you know what? He, he, he made his bed. I, you know, I don't know what he did or didn't do, but man, he had the opportunity to really do something different. To change it. He started, he had the opportunity. They gave him opportunity yeah. to change his life. He changed his life, but he could not let go of the streets as far as Jay-Z talk about the streets all the time, but you think he in the streets? No, he's telling nah. you stories right. of when he was in the streets. Right. He's telling you what he went through, the life he lived. You not know, that I'm doing it, but I'm just painting a picture of how it was where I'm from. Now, you can't be in Islam like like that and be so connected. He's going to visit the the, the leader of that blood gorilla gorilla set. He's going to visit him. They on he's on the phone talking to guys. You made yourself too accessible, right? To, and ain't nothing wrong with being real and talking your talk. Look at Jim Jones. Jimmy talked that talk, and I don't know what Jimmy doing his life or whatever, but I know that he's smart enough to not. To, to talk that talk, but to not really do a lot of that shit that, that he's saying. Right. Right. And I, you know, I, I feel, I really feel bad for a lot of these dudes not to just, you know, they made their bed. I'm not saying that, but the, the, the thing that makes me mad is that I know, I know, especially Cass being down with rock nation. I know somebody was in his ear. Like, look, man, you really need to clean this up. You need to understand you tough. We get it. I think, I think within the black community, what we need to stop is we need to stop this incessant need to prove that you tough. We, All right, let we, me pause you right there. Okay. Let me, stop. let me stop. Let me just, but let me just piggyback real quick. Okay. Back, back to young doll. Man. Just got murdered. Rest in peace. Young doll. Tragic. Boy, listen, you know, he knew the situation. He knew he got shot, he got shot at, he knew who he was beefing with, what was going on, but yet you you wanna feel like, you don't wanna feel like they pushing you out of your town, so you always there and you made yourself too accessible. Right. You're going to the same places, you ain't really secured up like that, right. because that, that mentality. Now, I'm not saying that that was his mentality, but that's a lot of the guys that get killed. They, I'm not going nowhere, I'm in my hood, this is what it is, but you you can't you can't be too tough to say, yo, you know what? I I, I made it to a different tax bracket in my life. Yeah. Let me let me not be as accessible. Nipsey Hustle, rest in peace, Man. Nipsey. The same thing yeah. with Nip. Tragic, tragic. Nip, 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 Super oh, tragic. Man. Yeah. Man, tell you something, bro. Yo, yo, bro. Before Nip got killed, about. A week before Nip got killed, bro, I was I just got really got in tune with Nip and the video, the video, um, when he was talking about the Maya ruins and all that. I forgot the name of the right. song. I, I I know what song you talk. I can't can't remember offhand, it, but yeah, it, it, I remember the, the video. And all that, all yeah, Doctor Loom and all that. I, yo, I was playing that back to back. I was like, oh yeah, this dude's special right here. And I started learning what he was about, what he was doing, and then he get killed. And I was like, dag man, I was like. He, he, I think he was a victim. I'm, I'm gonna call it a victim of toughness. 
Now, before anybody, any of my, my followers or anybody who listens on the West Coast, this is not meant as disrespect. I think not Nipsey Hussle was definitely a thorough street dude. Everybody Official. knows that. And I, and I think I think some of these guys feel like they have to prove that you don't you you're already stamped. You have nothing to prove. You know what's funny? I just saw an interview that that uh, Noriega did with Young Dolph, and he told him, he told him, he was like, "Yo, you got it. Like it's always in your own hood. Like you, you got to leave. You got to go somewhere else. Yes, you, like yes. it's it's a reason." Whether you respect what they do or not, they're still alive. It's a reason most of the prominent New York rappers live in Miami. It's a yeah. reason for that. They live in North right? Carolina, Miami. It's you know not because they don't love New York. It's not because these dudes wasn't really tough and wasn't really about that life. It's because they understand it's a target on my back now. Look at what happened. To, uh, what's his name? Uh, dude that got shot in Queens. Um, uh, Chinks. Uh, Chinks and Stack Bundle. Yeah. Both. Yeah, but that's crazy. Like this, this is, I think there needs to be one. Like I said, we need to watch this music we celebrate because we celebrate murder music and then we act surprised when people when we, act on this murder music. Like this yeah, is yeah. what we celebrate yeah, is the energy you put in. And I understand, look, I am a believer. I am a Christian. I understand that not everybody holds to that belief. And I'm, I understand that this music is going to be made, but let's have some balance. Like, like it's out of hand. Like, you know, I'm gonna keep uh, it real with you. When I hear, when I hear most new rappers, most new quote unquote, I can't even consider them MCs. I'm gonna keep it real with you. You know me, I'm, yeah. I'm boom bap. This ain't no, no this new stuff. Ain't no, yeah. They're not, they not MCs. They, they just rappers. Yeah. I don't even know if you can consider them rappers, but, but, when I hear this stuff, I'm like, yo, it's the same exact thing. You killed this person. You ran down on this person. You killed this. Like, what do you, what kind of, yo, you know, the era we from, right? If you talk tough like that, people was going to see you when you can't and nothing has changed. You talk uh, that tough talk. When you go to the hood, people going to see you. We going to see if you, what you talking about. We gonna we we gonna we gonna fill this out. We gonna see if you really about that tough talk you talking. Why do you even want to be put in a position to have to like Jay Z? I'm I'm no fan of some of his ideology, but I am a fan of how he was able to separate that street life from his actual life. Like, let me tell you, you stories. By, what do you mean by ideology? Mean by um, I I'm not I am not a fan of his spiritual ideology. Let's put it, let's put it that way. Me and him don't, don't, don't see eye to eye when it comes to that, but that, but that's, that's, that's irrelevant to this point. That's, that's, that's because we God body and you're a Christian and that's yeah. always, yeah, that's, 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 that's always a debate. That's right. always going to be a debate all, all the time. It, it is, it is, but just, just for, so for the sake getting beyond that, and there's some other things I don't necessarily like the way he handled the situation with, with Dame and, and the way all of that went down. It's two sides to every story. And I heard his side. But the thing is, the thing about Jay, I'm kind of getting on a tangent. He never really tells. He never really talks, which I get it. I understand that. But then when you hear, it's only like, if you hear 15 people tell the same story, 
dealing with one person at some point you got to be like, all right, it's something to this. Like, is this is 15 people dealing with the same person? It is always the same conclusion. Like is a problem. But anyway, I like the way Jay-Z was able to say, you know, in his music and in how he lived his life, this was my life. I was thorough in those streets. You could ask dudes, but I don't got to prove that to you right now. I'm making too much money to try to prove this to you. And I think a lot of these new dudes really need to learn from his playbook. He he understood life enough to know I'm not getting ready to throw my life away to prove to you that I was thorough. I'm I'm, the stories is in the streets. Go ask the people who was out there. They know. Listen, we could get, we could get even deeper than Jay. As far as that's concerned, as far as the transition and how to make the transition successful, 50 cent is the number one, the number one guy that you can look at and look at his lifestyle and look where boo boo came from, from Queens and, selling drugs and all that. And same as Jay-Z, sort of, kind of. But right. his story might have been a little bit more different. His mom's getting killed and the way he was raised yeah. and all that might be a little bit tougher. A little choppier, yeah. A little choppier, you know what I'm saying? And you know, and he was definitely busting his gun crazy and all that shit. But the, 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 to have that mentality coming in the game, that gangster tough shit, and to be able to transition into movies, into acting, and Yo. still be... It still be who you are right. when people see you. Right. But you don't but you don't see him on a block in Queens yeah. every day chilling, yeah. like you said, accessible where somebody yeah. could just run down on you. Even yeah. even Nori. Yo, Nori, I what I what I gotta respect about Nori is how he transitioned and how he balances that going back to the streets every now and again, showing his people love. He like pop in, pop out. Like I'm here. Yeah, this Queensbridge. Yeah, a, yeah, I, yeah. I got a, I got a beef with Nori. Okay, what's 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 your what's your beef with Nori? Yeah, Nori, Noriega. You see me? Yeah, this is just. Yeah, um, we 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 brought uh who we brought up? We brought Noriega to Kingston, New York, at a club called BSP. We brought him up. We was doing a um, we we did a show. I forgot who else was there. I know Joel's came. I'm not sure if that was the night Joel's came, whatever. But we had we always we always had guys coming up. Fred the Godson, rest in peace, Godson. Fred used to come up. You know what I'm saying? That's the homies in Middletown. My 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 brothers in Middletown. Fred God, we all connected. But Nori comes up, and uh, he had these sneakers. I forgot what sneakers they was. I think I seen him. He posted them on Instagram, and I said something to him about the sneakers. And then uh, when he got there to the spot, we was upstairs and I was like, yo, I said something about the sneakers and he just hit me with some slick shit. Like, yo, you ain't got, you ain't get them yet? Like, you know what I'm saying? Some real slick shit. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you here in my town. Look, but look, let me show you the quote. He don't even know, Brooke, yo, Nori, if you see this, he don't even know he in my town. I'm one of the shooters and one of the goons in the town. So everybody in that club look up to me, respect me, whatever. He probably don't even know that. You know what I'm saying? Really, and he's with the dudes that's from Brooklyn. That's our homies. Like he with them. You know what I'm saying? So we, you know, right. we chopped it up. We both talking, but that was about it though. He made that little slick. Okay, yeah, slick. you you gotta give him that. He know it. And, and I ain't say nothing else to him after that. I was like, yo, this. I said, yo, this this dude, man, he don't even know who he's talking to. And we had a good night. We had a good vibe, and yeah, we loved yeah. it. That, that was my little thing with Nori. Okay, with okay. I still, I still want my Bo Jacksons too, so I still okay. want to pair them. 
Yeah, yeah he 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 Nori. You got you got you got to give that to Nori. You know how, you know how he is. He a wild dude. Nah, yeah, wild nah, dude. nah. But yeah, Nori, Nori, but Nori, like you said, Nori. He a prime example. Real deal. Went through some shit. Left rack. Went through shit. Been up north. Been up like me. Been to prison. Been out. You no, know, and he he took himself up. Moved to Miami. Fat Joe. Moved yeah. to Miami. Like dudes know that, and they still come to New York. They still come, dude. Don't get it twisted. Right, right. But they they understand. Right. They understand enough to know I can't be lollygagging in the streets like that because there's a target on my back. It no the thing is, this this is the thing in the black community specifically, we don't seem to understand. Nobody is so tough that they can't get got. Nobody. There there's there's that that person does not exist. The toughest gangsters, the toughest mobsters the toughest members of whatever gang you want to call out have been got. All it, all it take is one. All it take is one. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the thing. So like I said, I I'm, I'm bro. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I appreciate it, man. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. I ain't get I don't get a chance to, to see you much and talk to you much. You on one side of the coast. I'm on right. the other side of the coast. You know, right. you doing your living, you living your life the way I, that you should in the way that I'm proud of the way you live your life. And um, I'm just still, I'm still picking up the pieces after all of this street life, gangster life, penitentiary life. I'm still picking up the pieces, you know what I'm saying? So right. um, it's a pleasure for me to be here talking with you. I love you to death. You know, I'm only one phone call away. And, um, you know, I just, I, I salute you on your, your, your podcast. I salute you on everything you're doing. I support everything you're doing. I second everything you're doing. I appreciate it, bro. Congratulations on everything, on the kids, the family, the everything, man. And I'm proud of you as an older brother. I'm proud of my young, both my younger brothers. I'm so proud of both y'all. And um, I'm proud that I could be some type of none, none of us have fathers. None of us have fathers. So I'm happy that I could be some type of older brother, good outlook, somebody to look at, somebody to talk to, somebody to get some information from. Somebody to say, yo, I'm gonna take his word because I know his word is bond. His word is good. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take his word. Whatever he say, I know, bro, official with what he's saying. I will tell you right now. I tell all all of the people I know, people I've uh, you know I go to church with, different preachers I know. I always tell them, it is through the grace of God that I stayed out of those streets, and I really believe God used you very instrumental and keeping me out of those streets bro i pray for you and you know i i i want you to be successful in life and not just physically but spiritually this is something that i pray about and again thank you for joining me on the podcast and y'all know how i do thank y'all for joining me in this conversation as always y'all know what it is Stay frosty, people.